people will use the word gospel, and I've heard, I've heard, uh, I heard the word gospel music long before I was a Christian, and uh, yeah, actually even understood really what the gospel meant. So when you say gospel to someone in this, in this uh, room, most people would have a pretty good idea what you're saying and what you're meaning, and they would kind of connect. But maybe out there, gospel doesn't mean what you think it means. And uh, as one of our pillars or one of the things that we are, we, are, we are foundationally true with is the fact that not only is Jesus the cornerstone and that everything lines up with, uh, with him, but also everything that's built upon Christ and his sacrificial work is part of the truths that make our faith what it is. I was just talking to a woman this, uh, this week, uh, briefly caught her, she was the she used to go to First Baptist back when this was First Baptist, and her, uh, her father was the bricklayer who was the maestro to this whole building. He, she watched it all happen. She said there are clay pipes between the floors. That's what heated it, is hydronic heating. And, uh, it, and it had, uh, she said as it was happening, that it was done by the church, which sometimes when you see something done by the church, it isn't always necessarily exactly the way it's supposed to look necessarily because, well, you know, it's, it's six o'clock on Sunday and we all got to go to work. This building, as you've looked around, isn't like that at all. He made sure everything was done just the way it was supposed to be done. And if you look, she says, you're going to have to go look. But just as you walk up the slippery driveway off here off Montana Street, just to the right, um, and there used to be a covered porch, and now that's our entry, our foyer where our coats are, but that was a covered porch. There is this cornerstone. She said, look, there's the cornerstone right there. If you look down at the foundation, that is, that is the cornerstone of which everything else was laid out. That point determined everything else. And as we look at our foundations, we realize that if that foundation or that cornerstone isn't accurate, this, the walls don't work the way they are. We don't have a building 70 years after it was built. And our foundation of our faith is the same way. It's built on something very, very, very solid, which of course is Christ and his resurrection, as well as what led up to that, which was the need for us to have a redeemer. Today we talk about the gospel. Ulian Gillian, it's a, it's a Greek word that means good news. They would come in, the, in that time, they would come through if there was a king coming or someone who had some notoriety, and they would yell, good news, good news. And it was a proclamation, actually, of something that was coming that was good. And so when you hear the word gospel, it's actually, it's really actually someone yelling, good news, good news. Something's going to happen that's 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 amazing or out of the ordinary. And so as we talk about the gospel today, realize that the word gospel may have some different meanings out there, but what it means to us is that foundational piece that there is good news, that there was bad news, and now there's good news. And so as we look at the bad news, sometimes good news isn't as, as good unless we've had the bad news. I was talking to someone this morning who had kind of a physical ailment for a while, and, and it had completely limited them as to what they could do. And they couldn't do this, had to have wear a brace and all this, actually a couple of people. And now as they're getting better, they have such a new appreciation because before they couldn't drive, now they can drive. Before they couldn't do laundry, well, that's still up in the air, but there are certain things that you want to be able to do that you can't do, and it isn't near as... You don't appreciate it near as much until you've lived without those things. Until you've heard the bad news, the good news is not nearly as good. 
Well, the gospel is the greatest news that the world has heard or possibly hasn't heard. And in this, in this room, there's probably some people who are, who are just checking out Jesus. Maybe some invited them to church. They wanted to see what church was about. And we really welcome you because you are in the same place that every one of us probably has said at one point in time, where we just said, you know, I need to know a little bit more about this. And one of the realizations of that is that when you come to, to this church and you're coming to hear certain things, realize that there's a process by which God just takes us one step at a time. He just leads us one step at a time. And wherever the step you are, we welcome you because this is the greatest news that the world has, has ever heard. 1 Corinthians 15 really summarizes the gospel. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the very most important thing. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And this is good news. This is the news that from a, from a Jewish standpoint, if you are a Jew who's paying attention, you realize that God has started this plan of redemption. And now the, the plan is coming into full swing as the Messiah comes and he fulfills those prophecies. Not only that, but also allows us to have a personal relationship with God, which was never, ever, ever had before. You, if you were to go back and interview an Old Testament Jew back in that, those days, they did not have the privileges that we have. We, we can go directly to God, Hebrews 4.16. We can approach that throne with confidence because we are no longer separated. Not because we are worthy, but because Christ has made that possible for us to, to be able to have a relationship with him. Well, the gospel has everything to do with salvation. The gospel is the plan of salvation. This is the good news, is that anyone can be saved. And so in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing, from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. It all begins with what we've heard. It's that proclamation. And if you don't hear the proclamation, you can't respond. Good news, but if you're mute, you have, you have to take in what has been said. And so that is the basis to what the gospel is all about. God's grace and peace come through the gospel. When Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but was told by the officer that he would have to appear in court. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, That'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Now you know how bad he was breaking the law, 10 miles an hour, way one way or the other. Suddenly the judge recognized this famous minister. Now you're a judge and you recognize Billy Graham. What are you going to do with this ticket scenario? He's already told him it's $10. And then all of a sudden it dials in. He goes, oh, you're, you're Billy Graham. What are you going to do with him? <laughs> he should know better <laughs> too much who has been given much as expected he says this suddenly the judge recognized the minister you have violated the law he said the fine must be paid but I am going to pay it for you wow he took a $10 bill from his wallet attached it to the ticket and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner that says Billy Graham is how God treats the repentant sinner. That's grace.
That is grace. And as we look at the world and we think of, think of any other religion, grace is not a part of it. If you can come up with one, I'll give you all four Snickers I have up here. If you can just name one that's based on grace, that the reason why you have a relationship with God is not because of works, but because of grace. And I'll give you maybe 10 seconds. So if you're thinking hard, think of one other religion. Throw it out there. I wish I had a buzzer up here. It's a countdown. There are none. It is so different. We live in grace. We live in this place where the gospel is not, it's not the news of if you do this, 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 and this, you might get to heaven. And if you live without sinning too much, your sin quotient, then you might get to heaven. That is not the point. The point is the gospel, which is not that we would do it, but that he would do it. That the judge would pay for his pay for his own his for his own people who he wanted to redeem, that he would actually say, I'll pay the ticket and it's gonna cost me my son. That's the gospel. And as we look at grace, it's an undeserved love from God because we didn't deserve it. We're all these people who don't deserve grace. None of us do. Billy Graham doesn't even deserve grace. Why? Because God is so holy. Remember when we talked about prayer and the very first thing in the Lord's prayer is what? Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? You are holy, way holier than I am. And the, the gulf between me and you is so huge. Why are you even having this relationship with me is kind of the question. But realizing that we have this undeserved love because we are so much, so much less holy. And God calls us to this place where we recognize that we are so, so inferior. And that's the bad news. You've sinned and I've sinned. But bad news sounds really, really, really bad in the light of good news, which is this. Once we understand we're a sinner, the next thing that we need to realize is that God has come up with this plan called Ulingelion, the gospel, which means this, that the good news is that he has paid for your bad news. He has paid for your sin if you've accepted his payment on the cross, his very expensive payment. And only grace can transform the world. There is no other, you can try to save whatever you want to save, but you're not going to transform a human heart because a heart of stone is penetrated mostly by grace. It's his grace and his kindness that leads us to repentance. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, not through our works, not by doing or avoiding certain things. It, that wasn't the point. It's, a, it's, it's all about what we believe and who we trust in. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Philippians 4, 6 talks about, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. This idea that we have peace with God and that, be, that peace is actually as a result of grace. Grace is the fountain that peace flows from. Grace is the fountain that peace flows from. When I came to know Christ at age 19, the lack of peace in my life pushed me to the point where I was seeking. That's what actually got me to the point where like, the bad news was very clear to me. I'm so thankful for my church upbringing for the first 19 years. What it did for me is this. 
You were a sinner. It was very clear to me. You were a sinner, and you fall very short from God. And it pushed me to the point where I realized that I needed a a Savior. And the realization of that is that that I had just a lack of peace in my life. And when someone finally shared Ulangelian, the good news with me, and shared that it wasn't about me, but it was about God's substitutionary death and him putting his son in my place, that was the source of peace for me in my life. I just sense my shoulders just lightening of the weight. Peace is a result of grace. What if God just said this? I'm just not going to look at your sin. It would be like kind of wiping your mortgage off to the side. It's not there. And you're just like, well, why can't we just wipe that out? Well, the problem is, is that someone who's on the other end of that isn't going to get their what? their 401k, and they're expecting on that because they've invested into the mortgage company, and so that money that you pay is how they make, how they buy buy their groceries. And in the spiritual world, this is true as well. Our sin has to be paid for because if God doesn't punish our sin, he is no longer holy and trustworthy because all sin, for all sin, causes us to fall short. And because God is so holy, when he punishes our sin by Christ dying on the cross, he is showing his justice. All sin has to be paid for. And that's why you see in the garden, this whole perception when, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was this having to deal with this and God had to have this talk with them and results of that and consequences of those things. So all, all of us are obligated as debtors in some way because we've been given so much. And so Paul says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Paul was a persecutor. He persecuted people to their death. And when Christ saved him on the Damascus road, he realized he owed a debt in in a sort of way. He owed his life because he had been saved from so much. And so Paul realized that his life had a purpose. He felt compelled to preach. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Paul is compelled. He's obligated to share the gospel. And one of the the things that we see is that the power of the gospel is this. Uh, Romans 1.16 says that, that the power of the gospel is for both the Jew and the Gentile. The power of the gospel is this, that we are sinners, and yet at the same time, Christ saved us. And even though he didn't, we, didn't, he, we don't deserve it, he extended it to us anyway. We are deserving and much less. We're going to watch a little video clip about the power of the gospel. And this is from Schindler's List. Why do you drink that motor oil? Hmm? I send you good stuff all the time. Your liver's going to explode like a hand grenade. You know, I look at you. I watch you. You're never drunk. Oh, that's... That's real control. Control is power. That's power. 
Is that why they fear us? That's why they fear us. They fear us because we have the power to kill arbitrarily. A man commits a crime, he should know better. We have him killed and we feel pretty good about it. Or we kill him ourselves and we feel even better. That's not power, though. That's justice. It's different than power. Power is when we have every justification to kill. And we don't. You think that's power? That's what the Emperor said. A man stole something, he's brought him before the Emperor, he throws himself down on the ground, he begs for mercy. He knows he's going to die. And the Emperor pardons him. This worthless man, he lets him go. I think you are drunk. That's power, Amon. That is power. Romans 1.16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel allows us who really deserve, really deserve to be punished from our sins, to not be punished. And in fact, allows us to have a relationship with God that would, would, would not ever be possible on our own terms. And yet the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes is free to us. And it's the gospel. It is the power that reaches not only Jews, but also Gentiles. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's about believing, not doing. And for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You might even see this today, plastered or painted on someone's chest, John 3.16. And what that is saying is as God so loved us that through the power of the gospel, he allowed us to come to know him through his son. That whoever believes, not does, but whoever puts their trust in, believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the gospel. That we would have the ability to actually have a relationship with God. That not just here, but in eternity. The gospel is for Jews as well. Romans 9 as Paul talks about the people of Israel, how they're his special people, God's special people. He says, theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. And Paul just makes a point of it. These are God's special people. But not only does he love them and offer salvation to them, but again, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him. You say, I'm from this nationality. It doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I'm a Gentile. I'm a female. I'm a male. I'm a slave. I'm an employer. I'm an employee. doesn't matter. Everyone comes to God through the gospel. Romans 10.8, But what saith, saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, 
which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth with the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whoever... Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so there's this question of, can anyone be saved? Absolutely. God has made it so clear that that is true. I was doing a Bible study this last week, I guess the previous week, and we, we went through Galatians with um, another friend of mine. And, and as we were going through Galatians, it's just so clear as you're reading through it that it is God's intention that we not be chained to the law. And Galatians is all about unhooking yourself from the law and attaching yourself to this gospel, this new covenant. In Galatians, it says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And Paul makes it very clear that we are not to, to live according to the law, but we are to pursue a relationship with Christ, and that is based on the gospel, not on our works itself. Faith comes by hearing, again, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I asked, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out in all, into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Before I, I heard the gospel, I can only just assume certain things. So before I heard the gospel, I was never really given a clear understanding of the gospel. I had been going to church uh, regularly for week and week after week for many, many years. It was this conversation I had and the power of the Holy Spirit who allowed me to finally understand what the gospel really was. And it was by hearing that I actually was able to receive the gospel, being able to actually understand this free gift that God wanted to give to me. And that's the important thing for us to understand is that God allows us to hear that, hear what it is that is his good news. He doesn't, we don't have to really seek it out or, or work hard at it. We just need to hear it and we need to believe it. But as we express ourselves in faith, we, re- we recognize that God reveals himself through us hearing his word. Romans 1.17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And then Romans 4.3, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then he, then he brought and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? That was in Acts 16. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the key word here is believe. So how were you saved? Well, if you were saved, you were saved because of your belief, not in what you do or what lineage or what kind of nationality you are. Everyone comes to God the same way. The gospel is this 
the thing that we see as a treasure because as we receive the gospel, it results in a relationship with God that's not just here, but also in eternity. And as Jesus was, was uh, explaining in a parable, and a parable is a spiritual truth that's wrapped up in a husk of worldly example. And so it's got this truth inside of it that's buried inside there, and it helps us to understand what it means. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he, did, he, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went, out, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. And this is the meaning of the parables, is that when we find what God has given us to receive, once we receive the gospel, everything else in our lives has a different perspective. We now realize that other things are not nearly as important, and we realize that God has given us this very, very special treasure that is so valuable to us that nothing else actually compares. And the next thing we do is this. So if you, ladies, if you get a great deal downtown, on a, say, a blouse or something, and someone's having a great sale, what do you typically do? What do you do? You tell everybody, don't you? You say, I got this great deal, and you should go down there too. And as, as we recognize that we have this salvation, and we have this thing that is so special to us, and we appreciate it so much, we also have this kind of this desire to share with other people the good things that we've found. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The man who shared with me, his name is Dave, and I've shared that with you before. And he has beautiful, he has beautiful, beautiful feet. He absolutely has beautiful feet. In my mind, who shared with you? Who shared with you? I want you to think right now. Who was it that shared with you? They have beautiful feet. Why? Because what they shared with you changed not only you, your, this life, but also your eternity and we, as we recognize, we have the gospel. This church has the gospel. This, God's church, as it, as it is spread all over the whole uh, globe, has the gospel. When John Kreslock and Connie Kreslock lead our, our crew to Peru as, mission, as a missionary term, uh, team, they share the gospel along with those who are already there, with those people who don't already know the gospel. How valuable is that? Well, it's really, really valuable because... It has the chance, it has the, the possibility of changing lives. We're going to watch a, a quick um, video, and it's really, a, it's about it's Schindler's List, and the setup is this, that Schindler has basically employed people to save their lives during the persecution, and just see what he says and how it relates to our spiritual life as well. We have written a letter trying to explain things in case you were captured. Every worker has signed it.
Hebrew from the Talmud. It says, whoever saves one life, saves the world entire. You can't hear that as well, can you? So we realize that the gospel is what saves people. It's God's Holy Spirit. We are a part of that. I don't know why God partnered with us. We're fallible people who, are, who really don't even deserve. But our greatest privilege is to be able to actually water or fertilize or see possibly someone come to salvation. It is my greatest privilege for sure to, to see that, to see people grow in their relationship with God and to enter into a relationship with God. If we recognize that God wants to use us in that way with the Holy Spirit's power, we might be the one who maybe just gives one example for a person that we know. Maybe it's a couple of words that we say at an FCA camp that changes a child's perception of who God is, that God loves them and he's not trying to grade them or try to, to, to criticize them. But for us to be a part of the gospel is to recognize that God wants us to hold out grace to the world. We are the biggest, the church is the grace giver of the world. No one else is going to give grace. Have you ever heard of the top 500 losers financially? No, but you hear what? the 500 richest people in the world, what does the world, what does the world recognize? Not grace. It recognizes the opposite. We, the church, 
We get to be the grace deliverers to the world. As grace has been delivered to us, we too give grace. Some of the verses that talk about us as we, as we bring the gospel just as a partnership with God, how we as human people are just a small part of someone coming to, to saving faith as the Holy Spirit does the work. Those who sow with tears, and you could see Schindler just crying. He said, I could have saved more. You saved 1,100, but I could have saved more. This vehicle, this car, could have, that would have been 10 more people. This would have been two more people. His heart was to save people. Then I realized that was their physical lives, but spiritually too. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise is wise, saves lives. Daniel, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And all we do is we hold out this gospel that God has given to us, and all we are is just someone who passes it on. It's not us. We're passing on his good news. Evangelion, the good news that we can have a relationship with him. Now, a lot of you are sitting in church, and you have heard the word gospel a thousand times. You might have been in church 20 years, and if you take that times 50, you've probably heard the, the word gospel. Gospel, I think, is 121 times Evangelion is used inside the gospels as you read the, the New Testament. And you realize that this isn't a new, a new topic, but you passing on that gospel, we get so distracted that we would be the grace givers is a, is a new message. But for some of you, maybe some of you, have never, ever given your life to Christ. And as far as you know, going to church is being a Christian. But going to church isn't being a Christian. That kind of, there's this likening to the fact that if you go to church, then you're a churchgoer and then you're a Christian. And that's probably what your neighbors would think. That's a natural thing. And you know? that's probably what I thought as well. But going to church isn't being a Christian. Believing in Christ, in the gospel, is what really allows us to become a child of God. The very first thing is the bad news. We need to admit that we're a sinner. So if you're sitting here today and you recognize that you have sin in your life and you realize that that has weighed you down and that you have a lack of peace, then I want you to realize that the gospel is for you. It is for you. And you couldn't have sinned too much. There is no place you could have went. David was a murderer and an adulterer and a bunch of other things. You look at Paul. He was also a murderer. There's no place too far. Number two, that, that you would believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins. And if you can, if you can believe that that's true, that this cross signifies uh, what Christ did for you on the cross, that he took your place to pay for your sins, and that... It, Thirdly, that you commit your life to him, that you not only believe those things, but that you commit your, not only your life, but also your eternity to, eternity to him. That's what it means to believe in God and to receive his free gift. And if you were to do that, and this is just an example, really it's the heart that comes behind it. You could say two words and it would really, it would really encompass that because God already knows what you're thinking. But if, you were, if your heart was, was to say to God right now, and I'm just going to read it for you. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of you. Please forgive me of my sins and give me abundant life here on earth and eternal life with you in heaven. I believe Jesus died and rose again from my sins. I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you were to pray that, and if your heart's desire was to truly receive the Lord and become one of his children, he has this gift held out for you, for you to just receive, and he would just give it to you right now. And if you would like to talk to me about that at some point in time, you just say, yeah, I'd like to talk more about that whole prayer thing. And I would love to sit down with you and just explain some things to clarify what's maybe in your mind about uh, the gospel. But I don't want you to leave today not actually responding to that. If you have not known the Lord, if you do not know him, if you've never committed your life to him, then you are just exploring God. And that's okay. But you need to come to a point, just like when you get married, and that guy says, will you? You say what? I do. I do. There's a response. There has to be a response to the gospel. Because the good news is out there. But the response to the good news is that gospel. Some applications for today. Just remind yourself, this world is so short. I'm over 50. I don't even know how I, how I got here. It's just like, whoa, wow, it is like a vapor. Don't waste your time on what doesn't matter. You can see Schindler at the end of his, he's just like, wow, we should have focused on certain things. People, we're to be generous with the gospel. Everyone you meet is either going to go to heaven or hell. I mean, it's hard to say that, but it's so true. Everyone is going someplace can we be a part of watering or fertilizing or encouraging that person or sharing truth with them, grace with them? To serve, to show love, and to share grace with your friends and your oikos, those people who are in your relational world that you just happen to know. I might not know them, but you know them, that you would show grace to them. And find some partners to minister with. Boy, if you're not in a small group or if you're not in a group, and the lift is a great example of how to get involved in one of those things, you need running partners. You can't do it on your own. You know what happens to runners who run alone? They quit running. It's absolutely true. Because, but if I know that you're showing up at 630 and you're going to run, what do you do? You're there. And we need to encourage one another. When one's, one's not running and the other one's having a little, more, a little bit more uh, energy, the other one helps them to bring us along. And so in our walk with Christ, it's the same thing. We encourage one another. Do you know the Lord and his gospel of grace? Number one question. I don't want you to leave here today without asking that question to yourself. And if the answer is no, then maybe there's a conversation we could have. Who will pray for you? Who will you pray for? Who will you reach out with kindness? And have you considered the treasure of having someone, you being a part of them coming to know the Lord? What a blessing that is. Those of you who have led your kids to the Lord, you know this. What a special thing that is to have an influence on your children and to, to be able to share with them the gospel, this good news. It's just, it's so wonderful to, to do that. And then a challenge to spend more time in the gospel this year so that you might give more of it away as we spend time in the word. We become his image bearers, but not only that, but his message bearers. We share the very thing that, that everyone in this world needs and part of the good news is looking forward to that time when we will spend in heaven with him. Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you so much. Not only that we can commune with you, but also that we can uh, share in the blessings that you have for us. That through the gospel, through Ungulian, the good news proclaimed that we can not only have a relationship with you, but also that we can pass that on to others. That we have a purpose for our lives, that you, you give us. Uh, the message to carry to the world that you love 
each and every person and that whosoever will would come to you. Thank you for that. Thank you that the people in our lives, as we reach out to them, that your Holy Spirit will do the work, that we are the messengers. We don't need to worry about the results, but that you will do the work if we're faithful. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. What a great um, privilege it is to be able to share with those people we know your good news. Thank you for your son Jesus and sacrifice that we just celebrated. Thank you for the, the cost that, that that had on you, that you were willing to do that. And we just thank you for your love for us, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen.